Welcome to another episode of In Reality, Lessons from Leaders and Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, John Rebecca, and you're about to hear from an entrepreneur investor whose passion for design and creativity provides a lens to see past cluttered look-alike product categories and discover fresh new opportunities. Craig Dubitsky, the founder of Hello Products, an all-natural oral care product company with one of the best-selling natural toothpaste brands in America, was also an early investor and board member in Method, a natural cleaning products company, as well as co-founder of Evolution of Smooth, more commonly known as EOS. One of the world's largest-selling lip balm brands seems to find the potential for new products in otherwise crowded categories. I spoke by phone with Craig while at the Hello Products Company headquarters in Montclair, New Jersey. Hi, I mean, hello. Hello, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining us. If we could start out, let's talk a little bit about the genesis of you as an entrepreneur. When did you start your first business and how did you eventually transition into creating Hello Products? Well, my first entrepreneurial venture was, I can't remember how old I was, but I was a little kid and I literally had a lemonade stand, but my lemonade stand also had a car wash because I thought that would be really cool. You know, I'd have a captive audience, I'd be washing cars and people would be thirsty and I could upsell the lemonade. So I think I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade maybe. And I never stopped. I had a window washing business over the summers. I mean, I just never ever stopped. You caught the bug early and you, uh-huh. as you describe, which most entrepreneurs do is that they recognize a need or something absent in the market, perhaps uh, an unfulfilled requirement of the consumer that they're saying, okay, I think there's a spot for me here. And what, right. how am so I, 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 how am I going to yeah, fill that? I, exactly. So I, well, I've been an entrepreneur. The other thing I've been, and I think they're very much related. It's not just because of their French etymologies, but I'm a arbitrageur. So I, I've always somehow managed to identify discrepancies. And the discrepancies could be in demand for something extant. The discrepancies could be in a shift in culture that's left a void where there's a need for something that's gone unmet or unrecognized. And I've literally been an arbitrageur. I was a currency arb and a base metals and base metals derivatives arb. So yeah, I just see these holes and I'm compelled really to fill them in somehow. But you make it sound easy. And, and one of the things that we always talk about uh, when we talk about entrepreneurship is, is the hard work involved. And while it's one thing to recognize that need, it's another thing then to put a product in place, to get a plan together, to go through all the steps necessary to finally deliver something to the consumer. Extremely hard. Yes. But that's, what makes it fun? I mean, yes, it's hard, but guess what? Everything's hard. If you were working the check lane in your local supermarket on the express line at six o'clock when commuters are going into the store and buying what they want for dinner and your line has got 20 people on it, you know what? You feel stressed too. That's hard too. Everything's hard. So that's, that's, um, a, that's that brings us down into you know finding that passion for it, right? And creating mm-hmm. a goal or an objective that you personally feel have a stake in to make something happen. Yes, and it has to be, I think, I hate to talk in absolutes, but it does come down to finding out what you really love. And I know that sounds so trite, right? We'd all love to only do things we love. But if you're in a position where you even have the time to think about what you'd like to do, I think you need to tap into figuring out what you really, really love. Because if you love it, 
you're going to work really hard, but it's not going to feel like work. It's going to be, wow, I'm doing what I really love and I'm learning all the time. And if you love it and you're working really hard at it because it's fun for you and it fulfills this, this deep intrinsic feeling for you, of course you're going to get better at it because you're going to work so hard that you're going to improve all the time. And it's never going to feel like work because you're doing what you love. That passion then translates into excitement, into energy. And, absolutely. And, and then, people can feel it. Abs- yeah. yeah, and it becomes palpable. And, and what we often talk about, and I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about Hello Products and how you transition from, let's say, that startup phase and, and thinking just thinking about a product to creating it and then juicing everybody up, getting that excitement going, not only for your staff, but obviously for customers. So why don't we talk a little bit about Hello Products and and how you transition there? So I have a history, which is a weird word for me to use because it makes me sound really old. Mm -hmm. I have had these set of experiences around consumer packaged goods, everyday items that people consume and uh, use to hopefully make their lives a little more pleasant. And I've always, always, always loved packaging. If you made something... It had to withstand the rigors of transport. It had to look good out in the open. It had to quickly convey to somebody a sense of trust and a sense of purpose. Like, I just loved all that. And, oh, yeah, it's like a dollar. Right, it's Five dollars. Right. Or, it's, you know, so I was always, as a kid, in love with packaging. God really knows why. Probably as a kid, or especially for me, because, you know, Craig, I'm in the printing and packaging business. You know, a lot of that comes down to that emotional connection people get with a brand a brand color, a logo type, it's instantly all recognizable. Of all of it. And it all communicates. And it provides badge value for people, right? I feel good holding this thing. You know, people write their narratives through their things. And I think the world could use some better things. And right. so people could write even better narratives. So I'm in this particular drugstore, and I walked past the oral care set. And all I saw, and again, I'm... I'm just speaking of a personal experience here, right. all I saw were extracted teeth on all these boxes. And I thought, wait a minute, like this brand has a hologram of an extracted tooth. And this other <laughs> brand has an extracted tooth with like concentric circles around it. And this brand, I was like, why do they have extracted teeth? I thought the whole point is I use this stuff and my teeth will stay in my mouth. Right. And as you point out, they put, thought, they put foil around it, holograms. They, they, oh, really, yeah. uh, they really highlight it. Yeah. And I can appreciate the idea is that it's a healthy tooth that's so shiny, but healthy teeth are in your mouth. Like you shouldn't see the roots, right? Mm-hmm. So this like races through my mind in like a picosecond. And I immediately think of like, how did the extracted tooth become the global symbol of oral care? It's like if the symbol of peace became like, you know, a wounded soldier, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I see this extracted teeth and they beckon to me and I pick up a box and I start looking at the ingredients. And the first thing I saw actually was saccharin. I was like, saccharin? Didn't diet sodas get rid of that like 30 years ago? Why is that in toothpaste? And it just kept going on and on and on. You know, I saw at the time this ingredient triclosan and it's a really scary, I mean, to me, it was a scary ingredient. Um, and it turns out a little while after that, the FDA banned triclosan from hand soap. You couldn't wash your hands with it, but it was still in oral care products. So I'm not a chemist, but I didn't need to be a chemist. And I looked at this stuff and I thought, this is really crazy. Extracted teeth, these chemicals, you know, alcohol and mouthwash, all sorts of stuff. And 
I thought, you know, like sort of at a meta level, you know, everything in the category is about fear and shame. If you're not whitening, you're frightening. It's all scary. Right. And I literally was like, there's nothing friendly going on in this category at all. It's like your mouth is a war zone and we're going to scare the heck out of you. I'm right. pausing there because I want to curse like crazy, but I'm not. Right. And I thought that's really insane. And I started to think, I'm like, what's the friendliest word I could think of? And it's hello. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'm going to make friendly oral care because it's a huge category. You can't disintermediate it, right? You have to brush your teeth every day. You should multiple times a day. It's not like, you know, do I need to clean my counters every day? Do I need to shave every day? Some people do. You know, there are a lot of categories where you don't really have to engage with them in a big way. They're not that intimate. Right. And I thought this is a really big one and it touches on a lot of stuff. Oral health is inextricably tied to whole body health. And we've been putting all this crap in our mouth. What's interesting about it is that, you know, from a general consumer perspective, one would never think about trying to go after the big guys out there because there are some big guns on in on oh, that shelf. Yeah. And they yes, have a huge market share, but they all look like each other. And they all mimic and they all say the same thing. But you sort of read through that and came out with a whole different message to it, a different position yeah, on it. That was, that was the idea. I mean... You know, I'm always amazed when I see things that are overly similar. Do you consider yourself a, a disruptor in that space? No. You know why? Because I'm told that a lot, which I really do appreciate. I don't want to sound like I don't appreciate all the time. I am living it. Things just sort of come out. Right. So someone had asked me about, you know, being a disruptor. And I said, you know, the only people that ever say we're, we're disruptive are the people being disrupted. So, Craig, you found this spot, this opening in the market. You took that negative connotation to the category, and you wanted to turn that into a very positive connotation. So tell me about how you got involved in developing the products and moving the company forward, where now you're out there selling and bringing on employees and and creating and scaling up. Sure. So the first thing I did was, the first person I started working with, there were really two people, but the very, very first one was my head of R&D and formulator, because couple of things. One is I wanted to be very prescriptive about what went into the product and I'm not a chemist. So it was, it was as much about what wasn't going to go in as what was going to go in, but they had to be efficacious because it's a serious category. So I needed to make sure that the efficacy of the product was without question. Like Mm -hmm. it has to work and be awesome to do that. Right. I had to bring in a formulator And the other thing was I wanted to make sure we at Hello Products, because it's a company, even though I was the founder and I was the only employee for a while, (laughs) um, that I was building an enterprise. And I wanted the enterprise to own that IP, the intellectual property, around what we were creating. And I wanted us to be able to manufacture where and how we wanted and be, again, very prescriptive about how we source things because I felt that was a really important bit of what we were doing. So the mm-hmm. first person I started working with was a formulator. The next person I started working with right away was our VP of finance. And the reason that was so important was it's a business. Like I wanted to create a company an entity that would be able to run like a functional, high functioning business. Right. So I started working with a VP of finance right away as well so that we could build models, financial models, so we could get a sense for what was going to be needed to build this business the way 
we thought we could, and to be able to benchmark effectively against the ideas we had around building the business. Right, you had the way, so, way of measuring results and creating a business exactly. plan. Exactly. Right. right, right. Had a really benchmark. So uh, I had a business plan before that, but there's a business plan and then there's the business, right? So everyone's business plan looks the same. It's a hockey stick and, you know, in year five, it's, mm-hmm. you know, a hundred times bigger, you know, right. every business plan I've ever read, because I'm an investor person too. So every business plan looks like that. It, the Hello Business Plan, it was like a coffee table book. And it was like a coffee table book because I wanted to make something that when someone saw this, if I showed this to an investor or any other human being, investors are human beings, uh-huh. they would look at it and basically go, like, this is amazing. I want to display this thing. And someone crazy enough to write a, a tome like this with visuals like this, if they could do this, they're going to make this thing real. And I want it to be so visceral that it would be like undeniable. So I brought on board, the other person I brought on board was a head of supply chain and logistics who could help with manufacturing. Right. Because again, you could dream it, but you have to be able to make it. And how are you going to produce it? And where are you going to produce it? And how are you going to make sure the quality is there? Again, this wasn't a normal startup in that we weren't going to like make a couple of items and see if we can get into a little local store and see if we can get a, like a test market going because it's such a big category. I felt the only way to really attack it with some gravitas where people were going to take you seriously was to really go for it. It was like go big or go home kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was also important when talking to retailers because you had asked about you know our customers, not just in end users of the product, but in terms of our retail partners. And they had to know... Like, if we take this in, any big retailer that takes in a product, they're usually removing something else. And that thing that they're removing is a known entity. And if they're taking something new in, you're an unknown entity. Right. So I was very fortunate to have had these really great experiences with brands like Method and EOS and Popcorn Indiana and Boots out of the UK. And I was very lucky that these brands sparked for people so when you started out, you know, we talked about, you know, you bring on those first employees, you get some products going, yeah. you have to now, as you say, go big or go home. So you had the meetings with some, probably some fairly substantial retailers, at least to get the product started yeah. in the marketplace. Once you got that started, now you got to expand the team. Did you yes. have? Yes. And, and then did you have? But we didn't expand right away. We were oh, very okay. small for a long time. So you kept a very close time. knit. Understatement. And what I would say is, I don't ever like to think that we have employees. I know that sounds also like a little goofy, but we're a brand you join. Even the people that consume the products that we make, I feel like they join the brand. And the people that I'm lucky enough to work with, like we finish each other's sentences. We, like, I'll put it another way. When you're an entrepreneur and you start something, when you're, if you're the person with the idea and you get other people infected with that idea, Right. You know, like your job, part of the job, and I don't think of it as a job, by the way, part of the curse of being a, a founder slash entrepreneur is that you're wildly passionate and you like the difference between, I think, someone who just has an idea and someone who brings it to life is their ability to get other people to really help them and uh, and to make it real. That's the key. So when I started talking with people about this idea of hello and how we were going to do it, there were a lot of ways to get people fired up. So, and it wasn't an intentional thing. Like I'm going to go out of my way to get people fired up. It was just, I'm a natural, you know, carrier of this, 
this, uh, the contagious way of thinking. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So I would just say, hey, look, you know, I've seen my grandparents' teeth. Why the hell would I use the same toothpaste they used? Like their, their teeth were in a jar by the side of their bed. <laughs> and everything's changed and nothing's changed in this category. And this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to make. And this is what it's called. And this is why we're doing it. And people would get fired up and they were like, I'm going to quit my job and come join you. It's about joining, not about getting hired. And I have to say, and I share this in the way that I hope comes through as, as sincerely and kindly as I mean it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you meet with people and I told people here in the team, please don't ever, don't ever put me in the room with someone. If they've met with someone first and they go, Hey, will you come meet with this person? I say, please don't put me in the room with someone who's never used our product ever. I don't even want to meet with them. Not because my time's so valuable. It's because if someone would come here to our offices and our product, by the way, is available at 42,000 doors where we have the number one natural toothpaste and number one natural mouthwash in Walmart and target. And we're, you know, we're, it's like, it's like you can't find our stuff or that it's really expensive. I'm like, it's like just crazy. Well, it's you're like walking into an interview with Coke and you're drinking a Pepsi. It's like, you just don't do that. Tell this to students in particular, because we've literally had people come in here and they'll, you know, like basically they'll tell you all the things that they want. Like, these are my career objectives. And, and I'm like, that's really great. If you have a spreadsheet and you've got all the things mapped out and when you want what to happen in your life. And that's fabulous. But you haven't shared one thing you would do to make hello better. If you were here, you've talked about all the things you want. If you're creating something, um, or if you're looking to join something and add your special magic to it, you got to do the homework and you have to figure out what you're going to bring. That's going to make you part of that magic. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, and I, I've spoken to a, a fair number of leaders and entrepreneurs over the years and a lot of business owners. And one of the things you get a sense right away when, when someone speaks to you, Craig, is that you get a sense of the energy level involved and the passion you feel about it. So it's not, so if you created a vision for the company and you have a set of core values, those are the types of things that you wear on your shirt sleeve. It's not something that you hang on the wall. One of the things that I always find about when somebody, because I was one of the founders of our company, is that it creates a certain dynamic or an energy within the organization that everybody feels. And they're excited about coming to work and getting yes, things done. It is, it is palpable because it doesn't feel like, again, like no one feels put upon. Like no one here clocks in or clocks out. Everyone here, like part, because because I know one of the things we're going to focus on, and we are focusing on, is leadership. And I think being a good leader, and I wouldn't say I'm a good leader. I I, I never think of myself as uh, a leader. I just think of myself as a, like you were saying, a carrier, right? Mm -hmm. And my job is to find the coolest, smartest, best people. Like best meaning high integrity, creative willing to really go for stuff and let them do their greatest, best work and remove any kind of potential stumbling block that can get in the way from them being awesome at what they love to do. And one of the things that we developed here that I'm really so proud of and excited about uh, is actually when we get to a point where uh, someone is, is a potential candidate to join us here is that we give them homework. And if someone ever balks at the homework, well, then we know right away they're probably not a fit. But right. it's really fun homework. It's not hard homework. 
because we want to get to know people in a different way than you'd ever get to know from like, oh, let's check their references. When you find out from someone, like I literally ask people to think of something that makes them really happy and then draw it. <laughs> and you know, you learn so much about A, what makes them really happy, and B, how comfortable they are. Because guess what? Not everybody can draw. No, no shit, not everyone can draw. Like, of course, like, not everyone can draw. At least not draw well. Right. But if you can hold an implement, or guess what? Maybe someone else is going to say, you know what? And, and this, is, this is stuff we've seen. You know what? I can't draw to save my life, but boy, I'm really, really killer at using the worldwide interwebs, and I'm going to find every single picture that I can come up with that's going to convey to you visually um, what makes me really happy. And that's just one example of one of the things that, that I put in this questionnaire. But it, it was done to make people get a sense for what we're like as people here, what they're like as a person, how together we can create something that's much bigger than either one of us could do on our own. Yeah, it's so both really sides get a amazing. sense of what they're getting into, and or you're getting a yeah. better sense of who you're hiring, and they're getting a better sense of what team they're joining. Exactly, and what's the culture really like? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting perspective, and especially you know when you and any founder or entrepreneur, you build a culture within the organization. And what I'm hearing Absolutely. words are like openness and creativity, but not only creativity—that's a great word—but you encourage it. You get people to think differently, and I think that's Absolutely. so important. Absolutely, Absolutely, and because everyone is creative. Right. So you, you what you're saying we is let people do that. They grow. Yeah. So you know? what you're saying awesome. is you get people to transition their job description. You, you look at that job description. That's something that's day one. And then you throw it out because what you're saying is, is that I hire people to do a function, but I want them to be involved in the totality of the business. So I like to say we're, you know, we're, it's a combination of the math and the magic. Got it. Right. So we all have to know how to do the functional bits because that's like how we, how we survive and take care of the, the really important needs, not the basic general, the really important underpinnings of a business, but the part that makes us thrive and make people want to join us is all the magical stuff. And it's not like, Oh yeah, we have dogs in the office. That's the magic. Like it's great that we have dogs in the office, but no, it's, it's because the people here have awesome dogs and they want to bring them in. It's <laughs> all about the people. The people make the magic. And my job was to set the stage so more of that could happen. I was the founder CEO. Now, I don't want to say just the founder because it's the best job ever, with all due respect to everyone else's role here at Hello. I think I have the most fun um, because I get to sort of like run around the most between a lot of different functions. But, you know, I have a CEO and she and I talk about this all the time. And it's really important that we set the stage. That's big part of the job, not to, not just to organize the business and make sure that things are managed properly and, and um, the things that need to happen are happening when they are. When you hire really amazing people to join you, they're amazing at doing what needs to get done and you don't have to micromanage them, right? It's, it's a different kind of party. Got it. No, so good, great stuff. Awesome. Great stuff. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions uh, that I ask everyone. What one word describes who you are? Uh, wow, well, one word. One word. Optimistic. I am always, always looking at the upside, the opportunity, 
So I'd say I'm the ultimate optimist. And my wife, my wife's actually a PhD in clinical psychologist, in clinical psychology, excuse me. And she had told me one day that I was hypomanic. And I said, that sounds terrible. Like, is there a cure for that? Am I going to be okay? And she said, you've never had a bad day in your whole life. And it's not that bad things haven't happened. I've had plenty and no one goes through unscathed. I've had my fair share of really sad and horrible things Mm -hmm. that have happened like anyone, right? But I feel so lucky. And maybe that's another word, you know, Uh, I, I feel very lucky because, you know, if you're on the right side of the dirt, like what can't you do? Right. right? Like, like we're so fortunate to, to live where we live. And if there are students that are listening, there's nothing that I don't know a single entrepreneur, you know, someone who's doing something that you might admire. That's got a successful business. I don't know anyone who wouldn't give anything to be right where you are right now with unlimited access to unlimited resources. It's like, we didn't have the interwebs. Like you can find anybody. Oh, I don't know how to get to anybody at that company. There's no LinkedIn. You can link into anybody. Exactly. You know, oh, well, I don't have any money. There's ways to get capital that are, you know, very prevalent. It all comes down to the power of the idea and the passion you have to help bring that idea to life and to get other people to believe. And a lot of that comes down to passion. But the other thing it comes down to is being professional about it. And really, really respectful of other people's time. Is there someone in particular that helped you along the way that you oh, would that you would say this person made a real difference for me? You know, it's going to also sound trite, but I'd say I have a I have a, a couple. Mm-hmm. I have a couple, and they're they're probably I would hope true for other people. One is my mother, who always instilled in me this idea that there was nothing wrong in trying and that basically you could do anything. So I think my optimism certainly came from my mom and that it was okay to to try to apply creativity to anything. I got that from my mom and that was really important because that gave me license, I think, to try a lot of different things. And next is my bride. I have the most amazing, like I'm the luckiest person you just met. Right. So I, I hope everyone feels that they're with somebody that they married up or they partnered up you know, my wife is amazing and she is very, very grounded and we're very different, but we're so alike in the important ways. She's also just sort of kept me like, you know, yes, you can do anything, but there's a very practical and sound way and kind way to do everything. And it's okay to be firm and still be kind. Yep. And, um, and I'm learning all the time from her and with her. So that's great stuff. Two most important people. Craig, I got to tell you, thanks so much for agreeing to be part of this podcast. And we really oh, appreciate please. your input and insights. No, my pleasure. And if people want to get in touch, you know, they should. There's a Skype button. I give my cell phone out all the time to the people, which I'm happy to do. It's 917-392-1000. And you can find us online, obviously, helloproducts.com. You can find our products everywhere. Hopefully, you, you're buying your oral care. And hopefully, next time you go to the dentist, too. All great um, stuff. And don't forget to floss. Floss. <laughs> every day. (laughs) Craig, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. Bye. Bye. During our interview, we heard how Craig connects people with his brands by infusing them with a positive and joyful identity. But it's more than just clever packaging. It's about rethinking what goes into the product and how people identify with it. As the author Adrian Slowitzki wrote, 
It's about creating what people love before they know they want it. Craig talked about driving his entrepreneurial passion and creativity into his company's culture. He spoke of people joining his company, not just being hired, and how critical it was for applicants to be prepared and know everything possible about the business before being interviewed, and thereby demonstrating their potential contribution to the organization. Thanks again to Craig for contributing these valuable insights and lessons for our podcast listeners. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. Our executive producer and social media strategist is Paulana Lamanier. The director of professional enrichment and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohen. Our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. Our graphic team is Paula Geraldo and Julia Donahue. Special thanks to Karen Marie Belknap, Jacqueline Compton, and Petra Shantaraka. Until next time.